The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Have you ever seen the movie Gone with the Wind, regarded as something of a Hollywood classic back from 1939? The type of stuff you'd see on television on a Sunday afternoon. But it still remains, in many regards, a very significant movie. And our next guest is going to tell us why. She's Professor of American Literature and Public Understanding of the Humanities at the School of Advanced Study at the University of London. And she's coming to the Kennedy Summer School in New Ross from the 8th to 10th of September. More details on that from kennedysummerschool.ie. Uh, Sarah Churchwell, thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word. Now, your book is The Wrath to Come, Gone with the Wind and the Lies America Tells. So how was that 1939 movie relevant to current day America? Uh, well, I've literally just written a whole book to answer that question, so it'll be, it'll be difficult to do it very quickly. But We um, have time. Uh, we have time, Sarah. <laughs> well, still, um, I mean, it's, a, it's not a short book and there's a lot to say, but it's... Um, so basically, what, I, what I'm arguing is that... Um, is that as as we try to understand um, the political violence in America right now, and particularly the divisiveness, right, the polarization um, that everybody is is commenting on, and you know, rightly so. But it for a lot of people, um, it seems to have, have sprung up out of nowhere. Like, how did America get so divided, and how did it become so polarized, and how could somebody like Trump, you know, take power? And and there are these people who believe this big lie, and he created an alternate reality, and he did it so quickly, where people believe all of these kinds of myths that he spun. And what I'm saying is that actually, if you look at something like Gone with the Wind, which is, you know, um, still the most popular movie of all time when adjusted for inflation, um, you know, the, the, the famous lines from it, like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, you know, in the American Film Institute, that's still like the most famous film line. Even if you haven't seen the film, you know that line. And the book itself is still phenomenally popular, right? It still it still shifts around three hundred thousand copies a year, which is you know a huge number of books that people are still reading, right? So it remains this very very influential and very popular story. If you look at a story like that as a as one of the most popular stories of the American twentieth century, what you actually see is it's a story that's completely about divisiveness. It's about um, and it actually kind of celebrates divisiveness. It's about sectarianism. It's a celebration of sectarianism. It's about nursing your grievances, and it's actually a book that is about how the about how the people in the South in in this part of the story. Um, uh, kind of um, have burned with resentment against the United States government and against the uh, against the principles that it stood for, the principles of multiracial democracy, and it's about their fight back. The 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 um, protagonists of the story, Scarlett O'Hara, Rhett Butler, and her circle, um, they're all unapologetic white supremacists, right? They are defenders of race based slavery. They think slavery is a positive good. Um, they think black people are better off enslaved, and they bitterly resent the war that overturns their way of life. And it's a story about Scarlett's determination to get all of her power back and about how she hates the United States government for, for stopping her from getting her power back. Now, this is not the way we normally talk about the story of Gone with the Wind, but it's a completely factual description of it. Like it's not even, it shouldn't be controversial, but it's not how we think about it. It's not how we talk about it. So what I'm saying is actually there's this whole history here that's kind of hiding in plain sight. And Gone with the Wind is one of the most famous examples 
examples of it that can help us see through to the to, to and, and tell the story of the history of this divisiveness why what the kind of root causes of it all are and why it has yet to be you know overcome and why we're seeing that divisiveness erupt once again was that the intention of the book's author margaret mitchell that these two characters scarlett arda and rhett butler would be seen by the readers and then in the movie afterwards as the heroes well, they are anti-heroes, right? So they're kind of um, like a, like an outlaw anti-hero kind of image, right? So that there's certainly the center characters, um, and they are, but they're scoundrels, right? They're rogues. So she, so she definitely presents Rep Butler as a kind of charming rogue. Um, Scarlet is less charming, actually. <laughs> Scarlet is, you know, um, uh, somebody that Mitchell wrote letters about um, how she thought that Scarlet was not a very admirable character. And she thought it was worrying that so many people thought she was an admirable character. So she certainly didn't think that Scarlet was a very good person. But that wasn't because of Scarlet's attitudes about slavery or about race. She had absolutely no problem with that. She didn't much care for Scarlet's morals. And so she was trying to do a kind of more you know, modern novel in the 30s rather than a Victorian novel where you have, you know, a kind of perfect, frail heroine who, you know, embodies all of the virtues. Scarlet doesn't embody all of those virtues. But the worldview that she and her and her circle represent, the worldview of that resented the end of the Civil War, that wrote this whole mythical disinformation propaganda story after the Civil War, saying that slavery was good, that slaves were well-treated, that American slavery was perfectly innocent and it was all fine. And actually, it was the North who came in and ruined everything, where there was this perfectly peaceful, agrarian way of life. And that whole story, Margaret Mitchell was not questioning at all. And it's that worldview that Gone with the Wind replicates, even though Scarlet and Rhett might be, you know, uh, she saw them as more realistic characters in that they're more human, they have failings, um, as I say, unlike those kind of virtuous, you know, Victorian heroes and heroines. Um, but she didn't see them as problematic for their worldview about American politics or American, um, you know, uh, racial justice or democracy or any of that. She saw all of that is very straightforward and and something that she was raised with, a point of view that she was raised with, and she just simply never questioned. Okay, so what then should we make of those Americans who identify with these particular characters, these scoundrels, as you put them? And perhaps does that explain why they identify with somebody like Donald Trump, who loves the idea of is setting his face against authority, allegedly, and also then does things like when Charlottesville five years ago, when you have thugs waving the Confederate flag, saying there are very fine people on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of one of the connections that I'm drawing here. I mean, I first envisioned writing this book when Charlottesville happened. And um, and so that was absolutely one of the germs of this book was to explain what was happening there with the Confederate flag and that Gone with the Wind is a, is a good way of symbolizing the worldview that that flag represents. And of course, we saw the flag even more prominently, more recently, in the insurrection on January 6th, when it was paraded through the halls of the U.S. Capitol. And and my book begins with that, um, with the fact that the Confederate flag at that moment last year flew in the U.S. Capitol for the first time in history. And it was an insurrectionary flag. It was a flag that was intended to overthrow the U.S. government that was being marched through the, the corridors of power. And absolutely, I think that that... Um, that that kind of uh, a sense of, of of a 
charming rogue, um, but but it, that uh, you know uh, that being an attitude to somebody who's actually quite immoral, <laughs> um, but that some people are finding that appealing. Um, Scarlett O'Hara is, is described more than once in the novel as a as a con man. Um, she actually is uh, um, the narrator calls her that and says that you know she basically after the war um, she becomes somebody who's prepared to succeed at all costs and so she's she's a bit of a crook. Um, she cheats people. She's she's just out for number one no matter what and um, and and is is described as a confidence trickster. So she absolutely has these kinds of um, parallels with. Trump and I mean obviously you don't want to overstate it right but they're, but they're there those kind of themes are there and the sense that that some people find that admirable whereas if you pause and think about it what you're talking about is somebody who's behaving in a totally immoral way and and that this is not something that as a society we we should be admiring I mean that's the kind of I mean it's kind of basic but it's like okay you know when when we look at this kind of story do we want do we say that this is somebody who's whose behavior a society should be you know, is this the kind of person you want to make president? Basically, you know, Scarlett O'Hara would be a very bad president, in my view. The book, Sarah, though, is called The Wrath to Come, which implies that worse is going to happen, is it? Well, you know, I think that there is, um, I just think that there's a long overdue reckoning. Um, and, you know, the this, the story, the history that I tell in the book, I mean, what I really tried to do is kind of fact versus fiction in the book. So so what I do is talk about the myths in Gone with the Wind and then take a deep dive into documentary history to show what the truth was, what really happened, and all the work that historians have been doing for you know decades, 100 years to uncover the truths about that period. Um, is not just about the story that I'm telling in the book is not just about the civil war and its immediate aftermath, the period that we call reconstruction, but also about the the era that Gone with the Wind um, entered into in the 1930s. And and the reason why the subtitle of the book is is Gone with the Wind and the Lies America Tells is because it's not just one set of lies. And and there's a whole nother set that the book goes into about um, the history of American fascism in the interwar period. And there's a there's a kind of globally accepted story that America that fascism just passed America by and the United States just didn't have a history of fascism the way that Europe did um, in the 1930s. And it's simply not true. Um, and it's a very self-serving story for Americans to believe. Um, you know, it makes us feel good about ourselves, like we're kind of automatically democratic and there's no fascism here, but there was fascism. And Gone with the Wind, um, when it emerged, at first as the novel in 1936 and then when the film um, premiered in 1939, it was very much tangled up in debates about American fascism, and it was always part of that conversation. So part of what I want to do here is to is to is to recover those debates and to say if we don't reckon with the truths of our history, then there will be there will be a deferred reckoning. There has to be, and and I think that that's what we're looking at. I think that that's what's happening in the United States right now. Is that this is the chickens coming home to roost, um, and we have yet another chance to try to tell the truth about our our past, um, about you know the structures that it's created, about how our society is organized, and and to take a long hard look at it and say, is this society that we want? Um, can we fix it? Can we rebuild something where we are actually are a United States because we've never been united for long? Um, and and you know what would that look like? So, okay. but the the ti- the title itself comes from the great African American. Um, 
writer James Baldwin, and it's via the Bible. So he says that there's a wrath to come, and so I'm I'm quoting him and saying that I think that that deferred reckoning is is still is still to be dealt with. Okay, Professor Sarah Churchwell, thank you very much for being with us here on the Last Word of Today FM, and enjoy your trip to the Kennedy Summer School in New Ross from September eighth to tenth. More details, as I said, from Kennedy Summer School. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-